Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Melinda coming to you live from Hope When There Was None. Now I'm coming on today and I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's been a nagging little voice in the back of my head that I need to do this. I need to come on now. I don't know if I'm going to do this with every chapter of my book unless the spirit keeps prompting me, but I do need to do this today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with my introduction and then go into my chapter one. Now, my book is called Call Me Master, and it's a memoir of myself surviving abuse. I am a childhood abuse survivor as well as later dating violence and then a domestic violence as an adult survivor. So I am sharing my story, and it's just, again, it's been weighing heavy on my heart the last few days that I need to just read a, read it, just start reading it. So you can go ahead and tune it off. You could just say, okay. Or you can share it because, again, somebody out there needs to hear my story. And it's not just a big-headed thing for me to say, oh, I wrote my story. No, it's nothing about that. Now, I do offer a free PDF version or free PDF of my book to victims and survivors of abuse. They just need to message me privately. If you don't want to just message me here, please, again, just hit the message button, send out a Facebook message, and I will be happy to send that to you. I do need your email address in order to do so. Um, I do have a group called Hope When There Was None group for those that would like to find out more about digging in deep into self-care and how to kind of break free from those that bondage that you were. We also share other things too in that group, but it is a small group of victims and survivors. Uh, some that are not abused victims physically, they might have been sexually abused. They could be that they had a toxic relationship with a parent. There's all sorts of very deg- varying degrees of abuse. Mouthful for me. So, that is why we have just a big melting pot of ladies. It's just open to ladies in my group right now. But that being said, I'm going to go ahead and start. So bear with me. Now, if you have any questions as I read through this, please go ahead and put them there in the comment section or do me a favor, message me privately. I can answer any questions uh, that you might have for me. (sighs) This is kind of big and I don't know why, but I am going to go ahead and get to this. Okay. So Bear with me a minute. So this is the introduction. I began this journey by writing some of my story on the pages of my blog. That's how I began. Sharing details of emotions and situations that I find myself, found myself in. But I've never really totally shared intimate feelings or memories and they kind of lay deep within me. I kept those feelings and those things hidden. But then I made the decision to let the darkness out into the light. And I ask you to please share my story and my blog with others who are suffering in silence. It wasn't an easy decision to leave. It can be painful and hard, and in many cases to leave, it is deadly. I receive emails and calls from time to time from victims that are in a volatile situation, and they find themselves teetering on a heavy decision whether to stay or leave. And I offer an ear to listen, a shoulder to cry on. I offer advice what worked for me. 
What I cannot tell the victim is that they must leave. You can talk or argue with a person until they're blue, until you're blue in the face about leaving. Even though that side of the fence, it seems relatively safe. But in a strange way, the other side offers familiarity and a comfort zone, kind of, to speak. In many situations, the person may have had a terrible incident with the abuser, but they still might not leave. My story is one to offer hope, inspire one to seek out safety, and to want more for their lives and the loved ones that are involved. I'm not an attorney or a counselor. I cannot give illegal advice, not illegal advice, legal advice. For legal advice, I suggest that you seek a licensed attorney. For hearing, excuse me, for healing after trauma, see a licensed counselor, and I do say, or clergy leader as well. But if, from what I've been told, some clergy members, it, it's clergy leaders aren't relatively not equipped, but they aren't an attorney. They can't give you that advice. They can give you some spiritual advice. They can listen to you, but it's recommended that you speak someone that's a professional. So that's just my, that's not in my book. That's just some advice that I'm giving to you as someone has mentioned it to me after they read my book. So I share my experiences and how my faith with the Lord helped when I felt lost and unloved. The events here are written just a brief glimpse of the various situations throughout my life. To write about every confrontation would take up volumes, but this is just a tiny fraction of the events that we experience. I am comforted by those that are close to me that didn't give up praying and push me to believe in myself as now I come to you. Chapter one. Chapter one is Spaghetti Night. Now the names have been changed to protect the identity and privacy of the individuals in the pages. Again, this is chapter one, Call Me Master. Spaghetti Night. It was a cool afternoon in 2006. There was a thick layer of steam covering the windows from a huge pot of spaghetti on the stove. She lifts the lid and the rich aroma of garlicky tomato sauce fills the air. She stirs the pot and pauses to blow on the wooden spoon before it reaches her lips for a quick taste and to make sure it's just right. She enjoys cooking. It's become a form of stress relief to escape from the thoughts of worry that clouds her mind. The TV is blaring in the background with the kids whooping and hollering about a funny commercial that they just saw. Three kids are full of energy and they start whizzing around the kitchen nearly knocking her over. She just smiles and is amazed that they're growing so fast. With a quick glance to the clock, she starts to get a little nervous. Soon he'll be home and she'll have to alert the kids to chill out in case he comes home in a bad mood. The dog starts barking madly and then everyone freezes. He's home. She panics. The kids scurry about in the front room, turning down the TV and shushing one another. She braces her, herself and hopes for the best. She pastes on a fake smile and she greets him. He's in a foul mood. He begins to tell her to undress him. Now, before I go any further, it is going to have some bad language. And I want to make sure that you don't have any children that are in the room while you're listening to this. So that's just my disclaimer now. There is going to be some foul language. Let me get back to reading. He's in a foul mood. He begins to tell her to undress him. She takes off his coat and his flannel shirt and unbuckles his pants and hurries to unlace his shoes. She smiles and looks up and asks him how his day was. He asks her, you know, I'm not going to say the full bad word. 
how the F do you think my day went? She tries to stay positive with the doom just now entering her heavy heart. She smiles again as she helps him to take off his boots. He kicks her away and she absently slowly craw crawls backwards. He stomps up to the kitchen and pauses at the top and sniffs the air. What the hell? I can't even come home to good food on the table. And what did you burn? In her haste to greet him at the door, she had forgotten all about the garlic bread. She's in panic mode. She rushes to the oven and keeps silent. Her heart's racing and thumping so hard and loud that she hopes that he does not hear it. Grabbing the bread quickly, she inwardly feels shame and knows he's upset. And then she remembers the pasta still cooking on the stove. Crap! The noodles are super overdone and he's going to be tick. Hopefully he won't notice, but of course he does. She quickly emptied the pasta pot with tears stinging her eyes. He is quiet and watching her. His eyes smoldered. Courage took over her and she asked him, why didn't you call when he was closer to home? She says nonchalantly, I'll hurry and pop more bread in the oven. He just stood there watching. His hands clinched the counter and it, that separated him by two feet, which he could have no problem just reaching over and hitting her. The kids were silent in the other room. He blows up and says, call you? What, so you have time to get his penis out of your vagina? I know you're messing with someone. He yells that she is useless. Again, I'm cleaning up the language. I do use the correct verbiage that I remember him saying. So I'm taming it down a little bit. Getting back to the story. She burned his dinner. He screams that she must have done that when she was busy talking with her boyfriend or screwing him. The words are stinging. She tells him that he's just being silly. He comes around the counter and angrily dumps the contents of the calendar into the garbage. Then he whips around and tells her to eat the garlic bread as it is because since she's burned it, he shouts at her to make him his dinner and not to burn it this time. He throws an empty colander at her and she responds quickly by throwing up her hands to protect herself. She could hear one of the kids crying and he spins on his heels and yells that she must tell the kid, must have told the kids not to talk to him because they didn't come to give him a hug and a kiss when he came home. He pushes her. Coming towards her, he pushes her again. She falls to the ground. She's scrambling to try to get up. In an instant, he stops by the plates in the counter that were used to set the table for dinner and he throws them at her. The plate hits the target dead on. She stifles a moan because he would get more enraged. Broken glass surrounds her. Out of the corner of her eye, she catches a view of the kids as they are quietly trying to sneak up to the rooms undetected and she breathes a sigh of relief. She doesn't like her when they doesn't like when they see her like this, huddling in a corner, bruised with silent tears flowing down her face. Without warning, it's as if a veil seemed to be lifted. He smiles at her. He sweetly asks how much longer for dinner and walks to the other room to watch TV. She sits on the floor, achy, befuddled, red-eyed, and stunned. The tirade from start to finish was 10 minutes. It seemed like an eternity. Hey, honey, bring me a soda. He grins and adds to tell the kids to come on down and watch The Simpsons. He looks at her and asks for a kiss as if nothing happened minutes before. Fast forward to the present. Yes, you guessed it. That was me. At the time of this writing, it's my birthday, and I'm sipping delicious cup of coffee, and I'm looking out the window, watching the shadows from the trees change as the light comes through the window. Honestly, there was a time that I didn't believe I would live to see another birthday, and that seemed like a lifetime ago, and this one feels surreal, this life that I have now. And from time to time, I share posts about my past on social media page. And after a particular blog post, an update about how my divorce proceedings were going, someone asked me, why are you digging up old bones? Why bother? And I interpreted it as, why are you whining and harping on this again? No, she didn't mean to sound harsh. And after I thought about it more, I decided to step back and think more, think heavy about it. Sometimes it seems as though it would be easy just to leave the past in the past, ignore it. Perhaps it'll just fade away. 
Sharing your story can open up old wounds, which would otherwise remain closed for a victim suffering in silence. Why me? I screamed to the Lord more than once in my mind. I admit there were instances where my faith wavered, even questioned whether the Lord was truly there. And I wondered if God would get me through this storm. Looking back now, I could see where he kept me safe and from losing my sanity. I was never alone, even at my darkest hour. So that was chapter one. Again, I don't know why I needed to read this, but I'm thinking that there's someone out there that desperately needs to hear my story to know that they're not alone, to know that they too can survive and that this life that we're living right now, whatever they're living in is a nightmare and they need to go. Now, I survived, again, it was by the grace of God, and I didn't know I was abused. I had no idea. I just thought this was life. This is what it was all about. And I knew I didn't want to leave my children a legacy of just despair and sadness. So whoever's watching this today, uh, if you have any questions, if you want to reach out to me, I'm happy to go ahead and talk to you about what you can do to move out of your relationship, or maybe you just need resources, or perhaps you are a mother or a sister or a coworker that has a friend right now that's in a volatile relationship and you need help for them to get out. Don't hesitate to please message me privately, okay? Or you can send a message here, but you might wanna do it privately and I encourage you to do so. You might not want everyone to know. Or please share this post. I would really appreciate that. Now, again, I'm thinking I'll probably do chapter three, maybe in a week or so, or I can do it sooner than that. But thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And again, if you can just help me out by spreading awareness of my story to encourage others that they're not alone, I'd appreciate it. That's Melinda. I'm going to sign on off. Please stay safe and know that I believe in you. Mwah. Hugs. Bye.